When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Thank you for joining us here on Talking Real Money. I'm Tom Cock and Don McDonald on vacation for his last hour of vacation. He's counting it down in New Zealand, just driving on the wrong side of the road, enjoying those final few moments, squeezing every single ounce of vacation and seriously he's uh, he's gone this last hour he'll be back next week and wow the next week talking real money will be a rather unique one because we're going to do the show live from retire meet north in everett so you're going to hear people like uh myself and don and paul merriman and others live on the radio and then actually during this program we're going to have a panel discussion about all things retirement so if you're getting close to retirement or you're thinking about it please do join us we we had a few people that had signed up for the event and then for whatever reason they decided it's more fun to put out mulch or something they're not coming and so we got a few tickets returned this week so we put those back up there still available you can get a great seat and it's uh next saturday morning in everett at the edward hansen conference center i think it's angel of the winds arena and uh, it includes breakfast it includes lunch great information on everything from social security to cybersecurity to getting inspired and you can do all of those things all in one spot go to retiremeet.com to sign up retiremeet.com the tickets are very reasonable the education is terrific so and what a great program today let me give you the telephone number 855-935-TALK 855-935-8255 anything financial or related and that's why i got my guest here today because he might do the uh, or related part he's uh, he's still writing for marketwatch.com still doing classes got one coming up may 10th actually got one coming up next saturday in everett at our retirement he's going to be the uh, keynote address he just has to come up with a title and he'll figure it out um he's an educator he ran a great company a company that's still around today Paul Merriman, thank you for being part of Talking Real Money. Boy, it's great to be back all those years at KVI. I know. What, 10? Or... Sound investing yeah. right here on this frequency. I think it was about 10 years, and it wasn't that long ago. And we had some great guests. Remember? You know, Robert Bogle, Kiyosaki. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Who were the great guests? From my, okay, well, John, John Bogle. John Bogle, and, very good guest. Knight Kiplinger. That's right, Knight, yeah. Mm-hmm. Larry Swedro. I mean, Indeed. they were really yeah. some yeah. wonderful people. It was a great fun. And, and just for those of you who don't know, I, got, I was lucky enough to do that show with Paul, and then we dragged Don in for a few years, yeah. too. So it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. It was not like this show, though, because this show is live. We come to you live, and you can call us. And ask whatever question you've got. So that's why I gave out that number earlier, 855-935-8255. Because of the formatics of this radio station, we can do things a little differently than we do on Como, where we're more restricted by traffic and weather every 45 seconds. Yeah. So, um, or whatever it is. So here we can do more. And one of the things we had talked about was, because this comes up, um, kind of the best investments and worst investments. I mean, we've made some great ones. and We've seen people make horrible yeah. ones. But you start off. I mean, this is interesting. The best maybe and the worst for you. Well, the best investment I ever made in terms of return was investment in our company. Yeah. And uh, Merriman, still and around, the, still doing great stuff. And the, st- the story, the real story is I invested $15,000. Is that what it was? 1983, correct? Yeah. Wow. And Good I return. Never, I borrowed some money along the way, but I never put any more money in there in terms of principal and uh, and did not expect it to become a big company. Yeah. It, it was supposed to be my kind of my retirement. You had run a publicly traded company, uh, correct? Uh, right. What was the name of that firm? EMF Corporation, small 
Which is no longer traded, right? No. Okay. No, no. It was uh, sold many years ago to a, a private firm. But, but. Um, so you started Merriman and it turned and, into and, a big deal. Right. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And I had the good fortune of having you join me. That's and very kind. My son yep. uh, joined us, and, and I think now they've got 50 people or so. Crazy. Which is, which is great. And uh, so that that was the best investment money wise. Money now I'm wise. talking kind of bigger As, than that. Okay, okay. What I I mean, I'll go first if you want. I mean, I think for me, my the most the greatest return for me on any investment is my children. Now that's going to sound trite in some ways, but oh, you're making me look bad. Now. No, <laughs> I mean it, because they they've given me the greatest return. I mean, I yeah. get more joy out of the things that they do, spending time with them, seeing how their lives advance. And by the way, I'm lucky because two of them work for me, which yeah. is really jo- I get to see them every day, and they do good work, and I, I truly enjoy that. Um, so that I mean, I'm not making you look bad because you thought this was about finances. Finances, they've been a horrible investment. But they're the wor- they're just absolutely horrible. I mean, I want some of my money back. I'd be retired by now. No, it, uh, so that's been uh, that's been my and I have a ten year old daughter that's that's uh, a dream. So I mean, that's been my best investment. Yes. Period. Yes. Uh, financial investment, by the way, would be the same as you, even though I haven't sold the company. My return investry, if one yeah. were to believe what others say it's worth today. Yeah. And by the way, if I went back and compared it, the investment, the small amount I had in Merriman, that would be about what I've made here. It's interesting. Similar types of returns over time. That's great. how that works out. I have no idea, but but the worst, worst I lost, I lost about two hundred thousand dollars. I thought you say two hundred thousand pounds. Uh, well, I I was four thousand pounds. Four, that's on right. That I've one. been that, on a diet the since story. the fifth grade. That's I true. love that one. That's yeah. a true story. Okay, but but uh, when I was about. 20 years old yeah. or 19, I put $1,000 into uh, commodities. and You were uh, trading them? Uh, basically. Okay. And uh, doubled my money in a matter of days. And boy, I bet then you thought, this I've found financial right. nirvana, That's baby. Right. This is it. I don't need a, I don't don't need a college education. <laughs> I don't need a college education. Come on. This is easy. And fortunately, on the next trade, again, ideas from a great broker. Uh, of course. Uh, lost everything. And then when I look at what that would be worth today, if yeah. I had simply put it into the S&P 500. A lot. It's almost $200,000. Really? Uh, your, our phone number, 855-935-8255. We'll talk about anything money-related. It doesn't have to be your best and worst investments. I'll give you mine, by the way, because it's fascinating. I think you know this story. So this is about uh, mid-80s, 86, 87. And uh, this was <laughs> a woman I was married to. She had some money, and she wanted to invest in it. And I knew somebody. I knew a broker, and I said, we should go see this guy. He's smart. He'll help us. She walked in. This is about, I'm going to say 86, somewhere in that area. She wanted to invest in Microsoft. She had heard about Microsoft. I think it only been public maybe a year or two, something like that. It went public in 86. Okay. So yeah. she wanted to put it in Microsoft. And he said, no, that is a tech thing. It's not going to work. It's going to, you know, flash in the pan. Don't do that. Instead, he recommended, I think this was maybe $5,000, put it all in Harcourt Brace Jovanovich, which is a company you may not remember. Publisher. Book publisher. Yeah. yeah. Well, it turned out the book publisher owned SeaWorld. The big play was they were going to sell SeaWorld, and that was going to make them so much money that the, the, the stock was going to go straight up. This is a value play. You're going to make a, this is a great opportunity. So we put it in that. And then I was working, as you know, in the news media, and I was watching The Wire one day, and it came across that Harcourt Brace Jovanovich had sold SeaWorld. I thought, oh, this is it. We are rich. It is over. Happy days are here. The stock went down by about half that day. And I remember calling him saying, what happened? He said, oh, well, they got far less than they thought they were going to get for the company, something I'd never even considered. And, uh, and, and of course, we ended up losing a lot of money in, in that situation. And I, I hate to say it, but it probably cost me the marriage, too. I mean, Ooh. she was so angry from that point forward. No, I'm kidding about the last part. But <laughs> she's, she, if she was calling right now, she'd probably bring that up and say, you're going to hire this guy to manage your money? I could have been in Microsoft, but instead he told me, we got to be in this book publisher that, and how many people made money publishing books anyway? Yeah. And so, I mean, that was probably my worst financial. And it wasn't even my money. 
There's a lesson. Her money. So there's a really great lesson. <laughs> Don't give money help to your ex-wives. Is well, that, that, that may be a lesson worth remembering. Yes. But the But the bigger one here is there are people in this business that make a living telling stories. That's true. They sell what I call good ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's not unlikely that when you look at somebody's portfolio that you see this unrelated series of investments, which are simply the good ideas at the time that you had money and they had a story. You bought technology in the late 90s. Well, that... that, Right. I mean, things like that. That was a story that a lot of people Mm -hmm. bit on. Typically, stories don't produce returns over the long term. Well, and I can remember, by the way, I remember, in, I think it was in 99, we went to the Money Show. You were speaking at the Money Show in San Francisco. I went with you. And you got up and started talking about, well, you, you own mutual funds. Some people got up and walked out. You own diversified mutual funds. More people got up and walked out. You own small companies and value companies. More people got up and walked out. And finally, I stopped a guy in the back walking out. I said, why why are you leaving? He said, this idiot says you should be diversified. That is dumb. He says you should own international stocks. That Who does that? And he says you should own out-of-favor things. No, all you do, according to this fellow, is own five tech stocks and you get rich, which was true until about... 2001, right? Well, it started, the the decline started in 2000. 2000, Between 2000 and 2002, the market was down 50%, but techs were down about 80%. And how long did it take you to make your money? I think the NASDAQ only came back to where it was a couple of years ago. It took a long time. So technology as a as a sector has not always been a great place to i know the fang stocks here lately i I, yes i follow all that too and i know amazon's going to be the first ever trillion dollar market capitalization stock if the trend were to continue but that should still only be a part of your portfolio not the portfolio but one of the saddest stories i've heard in this business was from a lady who in fact invested in microsoft she made a fortune yeah and she sold it either late 99 or early 2000. She was so proud of what she had done and actually believed that it was her analysis of the company. So that she, when created, did she buy it? Oh, early, early. You know, like, I, like the she, late 80s, maybe, or something. She had enough money to retire, yep. never had to work okay. again. She took her Microsoft proceeds. Yep without taking the taxes into consideration Uh-oh. she then put the money she she was she figured she'd learn something really important diversification take the money off the table she bought i think it was 5 maybe it was 10 great technology companies that she thought were the future microsofts yeah. and she lost 80% no. of her money and she still owed money on the taxes oh, for the profits she basically lost almost everything that she made. Wow, there's a lesson there. 855-935-8255. 855-935-TALK. Give us a call on Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. All right, let's get this break out of the way really quickly. If you're looking for an investment advisor, you need a fee-only, 100% fiduciary, low-cost, science-based advisor. And that describes Vestory. If you'd like to learn more about us, it's really easy. Go to Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, or give us a call at 800-386-3004. 800-386-3004. There, that wasn't so bad. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Welcome back to Talking Real Money. Tom Cock, our special guest this week is Paul Merriman. And by the way, just so you know, And this is true, because I've seen it happen. We could sit here and talk for hours, days, years. Wars could be fought in one. That's true. (laughs) Wars could be fought in one. Countries could. But the program's supposed to be about you. So give us a call, 855-935-8255. You mentioned this aspect of people managing their own money. In a way, a 401k plan, somebody else is, to some extent, somebody else is managing that for you. Once you take that money out of the 401k and you move it over to an IRA, 
Now it's your. It's a little bit. Hey, I would, I'm the manager here. What am I? Am I going to buy commodities? Am I going to buy Microsoft? Am I going to buy Hardcore Brace Jovanovich? Yeah. Don't take the last one. Um, but I mean, this is so. In some ways, a 401k and Bill Higgins, who's here with us today, because it's his birthday, and you know, apparently the cake was bigger here than it was at home. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned a point that the one, if the money's still in this ERISA plan, there's some additional protection legally that you don't have once you moved over to an IRA. But setting that issue aside, sometimes it makes sense to leave it in the 401k because you're getting help there to manage it that you won't once it once it moves to an IRA. Correct. Well, you know, it's that's an interesting question whether you're going to get help because you're still going to be restricted to the I'm list thinking of, of help like offerings. yeah, like but somebody's managing the funds in a way that they might not be in an IRA. It's restricted to some funds that theoretically everybody has agreed on Good the trustees yep. that these are great funds or they wouldn't be there. True. Which then makes me question how much do these trustees really know yeah. about investing or or is it because of a golfing partner that they've yeah. got these particular offerings yep. but i do think that once they go over into the ira you're right they can do stocks they can do bonds they they can do what's hot the the the, the fad investments and get themselves in big trouble but the other side of the coin is with a good education they can then build a portfolio that does give them access to small cap value and large cap value and emerging markets and REITs and things that most 401k plans do not have. Uh, but you have to have both discipline and education. You, can, you just you can't go wing it. That's the that's the risk. Eight five five nine three five eight two five five is our telephone number. And we go to the phones. Charlie joins us. How are you, Charlie? Pretty good. You can hear me? I hear you just fine. How can we help you? All right. You know, I have a question. It seems like uh, both of you are pretty uh, up on uh, financial matters. And uh, I have a question concerning, uh, do you guys know the ins and outs and the downfalls uh, when it comes to uh, a person going into a reverse mortgage? Well, yeah, yes, is the short answer. Uh, tell us a little bit about your situation. Are you asking for yourself or someone else? Well, myself and another person. Uh, okay. We were thinking about it. It's just that uh, uh, I'd like to know, uh, you know, you hear a lot of stories that, you know, this is bad, this is good. I mean, there's people that uh, say, well, once you have that, they can come over anytime and say, hey, guess what? Your, uh, your house is in disrepair. We're taking, you know, we're canceling you something like that uh but the financial aspect of it is uh you know you're you're you're, a lot of people don't understand you know people are getting money up front in a sense and they don't realize they're not really getting money that's being tacked onto your your actual loan and uh how old are you charlie i'm 63 okay and how much equity would you say you have in your home if we're talking about you Okay, uh, let's see, 70 to uh, about 250. Uh, before any papers or anything, it's about 180,000. 180, in equity. So yeah. rem- remember, reverse mortgage, and I believe I have this right, Paul, I think you can only take out half of the 40% of that equity. So at the very most, you could only get you know $100,000 under any circumstance. That's number one. Number two, I don't know, and, and I don't call me if you do, I don't know of any circumstance where somebody didn't paint their house and the mortgage company came back and said, now we're going to take the house. That said, what you might be hearing is something I have heard. I wanted to leave my house to my kids. I took this reverse mortgage. The equity was all gone. So when I passed away, the kids no longer had a house to inherit. That is true. The reverse mortgage, I think, should be used in some cases because there is a reason to tap into money there that you don't have somewhere else that is going to help you live your life out in retirement. It does require significant planning. If You you need a financial plan first before you run and get a reverse mortgage. Paul? Yeah, I would only add that, uh, please, if you're going to get a financial planner, Get one who does not sell any products. That's that's. I agree. That's a great idea. Required. Yep. 
and somebody who will work on an hourly basis. Because you could go to the Garrett Financial Network. We know their work is very fun. G-A-R-R-E-T-T. And it's GarrettPlanningNetwork.com. Yep, GarrettPlanningNetwork.com, yeah. They will take a look at that because they'll want to look at the other investments that you have and find out whether even your timing is right in terms of what your plans are for retirement because you're thinking about retirement, right, Charlie? Well, we just... Go ahead, Charlie. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just assuming I, that I'm not retired. In, in essence, I, I, I'm a full-time caregiver unpaid. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's hard work. Yeah, and, and so back to, back to the overall situation. I think the planning comes first. If there's money there that could help you, it might make sense to tap that. You, the, you have to look at all the sides of this. It's complicated. And in the old days, we used to just automatically say reverse mortgage was a bad idea. The product has changed yeah. to some extent. There are certain limitations the federal government's put it on that I think help protect people, by the way, from having bad things happen to them. So it's complicated. I guess I put it that way. Charlie, thank you for your call. Let's go to Jack, who joins us now. And uh, how are you today, sir? Fine, yourself? Very well. How can we help? Well, I'm Deeds on ice on silver, uh, rounds, both browns and, uh, and, uh, ingots, uh, goodbye, bad bye. Well, what you're maybe asking, Jack, is it a good speculation on the short term, or are you asking me, is it something good to do for the long term? Which are you thinking short or long term? That's my first question. Well, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Well, here's uh, here's what I know about silver and gold. That it made Burl Lives a lot of money. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> well, I also I also know that the smartest people that I know in the business are not fans of gold and silver. And if you, what you might do just for fun is to do a search for Warren Buffett g- quotes on gold. And you'll see how Warren Buffett feels about it. But here's what I know about it, is over the last 50 years, the compound rate of return of gold, can't say exactly about silver, but it is at least similar, is lower than you would have made had you put your money in U.S. government treasuries. Okay? That's number one. Number two, with gold, you get a lot of volatility. Number three, if you're talking about the hard currency itself, you have challenges with potentially with storage and, uh, and, and being able to protect that from, from somebody simply robbing you. Uh, that's a risk. So there's, yeah. there's no dividend. There's no, there's no internal growth. The stock market has a very long-term upward trend in terms of the value that is much, much higher than whatever long-term trend there has been in gold. And I can tell Tom's got a big smile Well, I'll on. give you a quote from Warren Buffett. You, you brought this up. He says, gold gets dug out of the ground in Africa or someplace. Then we melt it down, dig another hole, bury it again, and pay people to stand around guarding it. It has no utility. Anyone watching from Mars would be scratching their head. I, it's a great quote. I mean, and, and so we are, we are not believers in that as an investment. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, because I have... Uh I have quite a few rounds and a few ingots. Well, don't give us your address. I was going to say off the air if you want to give me your address. Jack will be by. No kidding. You you know something, Jack? People own these things for all sorts of reasons. What I don't want to hear is they own them because somebody sold them the that we idea. hear a lot yep typically the people that i know that believe in gold are people who are in the business of selling gold and, gold yeah okay yeah. so you know and, and how much of your portfolio does it represent what percentage value wise yeah well i'm living on an income that's just about Fifteen thousand a year. I'm I'm eighty years old, and uh, I bought these here and there just to 
speculation, really. What are they worth today? Total value, Jack. I have no idea. That's what I was going to ask uh, you. Okay. No one ever talks about it. There's some idiot on the radio or TV saying, yeah. invest in this, invest in it. Yeah. Silver going to $150 an ounce. Silver yeah. may be there now. Yep. Well, no, this is the story. That word may. Right. So the question is, if you had that money in an, in an investment that paid a dividend, that might be helpful. Or if you had that money in a single premium life annuity, for example, yeah. you would probably get a payout at your age of about 7 or 8% yep. a year. Now, that wouldn't leave any money to your kids, but do you care about that if what you really need is is more than $15,000 a year in income? By the way, whoever said gold is going to 150, that's going to be a pretty rapid increase because it's trading at silver. 16, pardon me, silver mm-hmm. at 1660 right now. So that would be a rather dramatic jump. Uh, I'm, you asked a question real quick, Jack. You gotta, can you give Paul the answer to that? I mean... It sounds like income is going to be important to yes. you. Yes. Might we write there? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I have, I just, I'm looking at, all I have is, uh, for income, is uh, my Social Security. Yeah, so here's what we're concerned about here, Jack. What our concern is, is that people who don't have a lot of money, un Unfortunately, they so often end up in the hands of uh, charlatans or 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 quick talking salespeople, yeah. and that is absolutely not appropriate for you. From what you've just told us, and we don't know how to how to how to guide you because you, if you don't have a lot of money, you still got the problem of not having a lot of money. Yeah. So you got to find somebody who's in the family, who understands how you can get out of that and get into something that is in your best interest. You want more great information like you're hearing from Paul Merriman right now? Join us next Saturday in person in Everett at Retire Meet North. You're going to have Paul. You're going to have Herb Weissbaum. I'm going to be there. Some guy named Don something's going to all kinds of great speakers. And the price is reasonable, includes lunch and breakfast, retiremeat.com. That's retiremeat.com to learn more. Tom and Don are talking real money. If you're looking for a nice short podcast to tide you over between episodes of Talking Real Money, check out Money 30. Money 30 podcasts are between two and four minutes long, and they're available at every major podcast service, including Apple Podcasts, or you can visit money30.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. And our telephone number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. I'm Tom Cock. I'm Paul Merriman. Sounds a lot like sound investing, but it's not. It's talking real money. If, if you woke up at, like 10 years ago and it, <laughs> you're like, this KVI, it's sound investing, right? No, it's not. And you still do sound investing. I do. I know. The podcast very popular. They uh, are anywhere from a half an hour to an hour and a half. And you and just sit down and chat about a topic. And once in a while. Like I'm going to take these, uh, this you take this stuff and try to turn it into something that's reasonable. I'm going to let people hear. Edit from out you. that other guy who's yeah. a Tom something. We got rid of all that, and we just got Paul talking about all kinds of great yeah. topics. By the way, uh, gold and sil- gold and silver. I mean, you made the point. Number one, and Warren Buffett did. You pull it out of the ground, and after it doesn't grow. There's no dividend. There's no utility to it, really, other than it's attractive in some way. And the only change in price is because you think it's more than I do. That's the. I mean, there's nothing intrinsic about sort. Of, but that said, we do own. I do own companies that mine gold. I do own companies that sell gold and I manufacture. Do, things. Right, exactly. So you do, in a way, expose your your money to those types of firms you're just not owning the physical metal i'll put it that way and you have aluminum in your portfolio i got the side of my head that's a whole (laughs) i got a whole slew of it there so uh But, but you know it just it just frosts me to think that that this guy in a sense was conned now when i say conned people you're sounding more like don every day now. well let me just talk about how i feel conned 
The people who sell these products have no responsibility to find out whether the people who buy them really should own them. And they buy them because they believe somebody who says that something is going to go from 15 to 150. And they can legally say that because they're not Advi- they're not advisors. They're, they have they're no fiduciary no, no relationship, fiduciary responsibility. Right. Anybody, if I did that when I was an advisor and put somebody like this man into gold, I could literally go to jail, or if nothing else, I'd be fined and kicked out of the industry. Right. So it's easy to know what's legitimate and what's not once you understand how things work. But if all you're doing it's like people who were writing mortgages. Yeah, I mean, they just wanted to make money, and they want to make it now, and they're not qualified to do something in the world that could really help people. That's what happens. Money talks. 855-935-8255. It talks every Saturday afternoon, a couple hours on Como, another hour here on KVI. And if you tune in next Saturday... You're going to hear Retire Me live. We're going to be doing a panel discussion right at this time, one week from right at this very moment on this frequency. So it should be exciting. 855-935-8255. You know, one of the things that comes up a lot, Paul, because people that come into our office say, I have this old 401k. I have this old IRA. What do I do with that? I mean, we had somebody come recently who had nine different retirement accounts. I always said, how'd you keep track of all that? How would you even know where you had? And I think somebody else said, well, uh, don't forget, Bob, don't forget the other one you got there too. You actually have 10. But... Moving money from a 401k to an IRA, good IRA, good or bad idea? It, well, it could it it could be a good idea depending on whether you want to take on that responsibility. One thing you could do something so simple as to move the money into an IRA and buy a target date portfolio that gives you automatically all the diversification that whoever manages that target date fund believes that you need. And for a lot of people... Target date fund is a mutual fund that holds a lot of securities and is managed for your life, your your age, pardon me, where you are in your life. And, you tell them yep. when you want to retire, they'll manage that money inside of that portfolio for all the people that will put their money in who are going to retire in 2065, 2060, 2055, 50, 45. I mean, it goes all the way down to, in essence, today... If you have an intention to retire immediately, you get that money, and if you do it right, you go to maybe a Vanguard where the the expenses are very, very low, so more money falls to the bottom line for you. And if you really want to try to turn up the heat, you can do that by buying individual index funds to go along with it. So there are steps you can take to make more money, but that traditional target date fund is a great product for a lot of people who don't want to get involved. 855-935-TALK is our telephone number. Let's go to Robert joins us now from Puyallup. Hi, Robert. I think you're there. Oh, they're trying to... He's still... uh, Mike's kind enough. Robert? How are you? Robert, thanks for being part of the program. How can we help you? Yes, I'm uh, 72 retired recently. Uh, have some 401k money, but uh, I uh, am nervous about... Um, I'm not making much money on, on my money uh, because <laughs> I don't know. I've got some cash set aside, but... Uh, I just worry about uh, if I had it in a mutual fund or something. I mean, uh, can you get out of that quickly if something drops really fast? <laughs> okay, so I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. You're saying you would like perhaps to invest it in a mutual fund that gives you some growth, but you're nervous about losing money in that mutual fund. Would that be accurate? Yes. But your question, Robert makes me believe that you do not have a lot of risk tolerance. And if you got into the stock market, and remember, once in a while it goes down 50%, you might be tempted to sell it and try to find someplace safe. Is that a possibility? 
Well, it could be. It's just that my concern would be uh, when I saw this in my uh, years, it seems like when it does go down like that, it happens very fast. And I just want to have a, I'm, I'm okay with risk a little bit, but I don't know the mechanics of what, what what I do if it I'm going to stop I'm going to stop you there. So cuz for every person, Paul just mentioned target date funds. So if you own a target date fund, for example, that is 2055. The idea there is this is a mutual fund that is managed for somebody retiring in 35 plus years. It's going to be mostly in stocks. It's going to go up and down a lot. Conversely, you yeah. in your 70s would have a target date fund that might be target date 2010. And then it's managed with a little bit in stocks and mostly in bonds. The idea there is you get cushion when markets go up and down and something bad happens in Korea or Trump says something, whatever it is, right? Whatever thing oh, okay. happens, okay? That's All what right. we believe how people should invest. You should have an asset allocation, if you will, a balance between stocks, the riskier things, and bonds, less risky, that meets your need for growth and your ability. This is the part that Paul was talking about, your emotional makeup. How much of this volatility can you take? Because what he said is exactly right. You take money down and you invest it in a stock mutual fund, for example. The market then goes down 30% in several weeks. It's done that. All you got to go is back to 2008. We had a very dramatic drop that fall for whatever reason. Then you take the money out because you say, wait a minute, that I don't want to be in something that goes down. And now you've locked in a loss of 30 or whatever percent. This get and by the way, at vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, up in the upper right-hand corner, we have a risk quiz. It's free. It helps you understand your emotional makeup, your knowledge of markets, and allows you to make a judgment about how much in stocks and how much in bonds. You should have an asset allocation. Paul's got an asset allocation. Bill's got an asset allocation. Mine happens to be 80-20, by the way, because I'm going to work another 10 years. I'm okay with a lot of volatility. In fact, I would like the market, I hate to say it, I'd like it to go down a little bit because I'm buying shares at cheaper prices. But you sound like somebody who should have most of their money in safer things and then maybe a little exposure, 20% of your a portfolio in stocks. That will help you from doing bad things to your money in the next bear market. Paul? And, and let me recommend something you could take a, you could take a look at, Robert. Yeah, no, There's a fund yeah. at Vanguard called the Wellesley Fund. Now, it is 40% equity, and it is 60% in uh, fixed income, bonds. Yeah. Uh-huh. In 2008, it went down less than 10%. And right. over, it's it's been around, I think, since the 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And 1920s. I I, I don't mind going down 10% or whatever. I just, uh, my age, I have to be careful. I I don't think I can handle the uh, 50, 60%. But but here's the point. That fund, which has been around for a long time, it's a low-cost, no-load mutual fund, again, Uh 40% equity, has compounded at about 7% a year for a very long time. Now, not every year, of course. Because obviously, no, I, but yeah, I understand that. But yeah. That's probably the kind of conservative fund that you should be considering for what I ten-year return of six point nine percent. I mean, that is really great growth for well, for a stock exposure of less than half. That's terrific. No, that, at my age, that would be great. <laughs> I'll give you the. Uh, you know, I'll give you the average, ticker. I understand that, that but uh, it's, I don't expect that. I just don't. I. I I, you know, my money market and things like that's almost a, a waste to put your money in a money market. <laughs> You're not making much. I'm going to give you the ticker right now, uh, Robert. Here you go. V-W-I-N-X. V-W-I-N-X. That is the Vanguard Wellesley Fund, correct? And that is, okay. a, I think it's a very reasonable alternative. It's very inexpensive, and it gets you some market exposure, but a lot of protection by having all that fixed income. 
then you don't have to worry about a huge loss, as you say, that happens quickly, and I got to jump out of bed, and I got to sell something. But there's a lot we <laughs> don't know about you that we don't have Indeed. the time. That's so true. I want to be careful, that, yeah. okay? Yeah, that's yeah. very fair. Good luck that, to you, Robert. I that's wonderful. I appreciate that feedback, and I can continue to listen. I enjoy your show. That's very kind. Thank you very much. Our telephone number again, 855-935-8255. I was going to ask you what you're going to talk about next Saturday, but you already told us on the previous show you're not sure. 855-93. You'll figure out something on the, the ferry I, ride. 935-8255. It'll be inspiring. I'm telling you, everything I tell you, there, there are 10 things I'm yeah. going to talk about. Every one of them has a legitimate possibility, even a probability of adding an extra one half of one percent a year to your portfolio i'm looking up i'm looking up the title see if i can find it here on retiremeat.com and uh well i don't care what the title it just says i'm doing what i'm doing (laughs) it's keynote i'm too old (laughs) to change got it 855-935-talk call us tom and don are talking In addition to the Talking Real Money podcast, I also do another podcast that's very popular over at Apple Podcasts. It's called Money 30. Every day I try to educate and inform you about money in a brief two to four minute podcast. So check them out at Apple Podcasts or all the other podcast services or at money30.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. And there's good news on the horizon, the near horizon. Don McDonald, those of you breathlessly waiting his return, he will be back on the air next Saturday. He will be in person at Retire Meet North right here in Everett. And if you want to see him in person, go to retiremeet.com. A few people gave back their tickets, so we're reselling those. They, they, it's not like a reselled card, uh, car. It looks the same. It's all good. You get the new car smell still happening. Eight, five, or pardon me, retiremeet.com for that. Or if you'd like to join us now, question for Paul Merriman or myself, 855-935-TALK. You know, last week, last week, I, I went on a rant because I said I hate stock picking games. I consider investing in individual securities a gamble. And you said, no, it's not gambling. Right. It's speculating, it's not gambling, but here, I went back and thought about that because I spent a lot of time in my yard this week, uh, had a close relationship with six yards of uh, yard bark, which still has a lot in my hands. But in a way it is because it's an all or nothing proposition, right? You could put money into one company and that company could make you rich or it could go out of business. That is like gambling in a way. All I was trying to say was take that, chance if you will off the table because when you own thousands of companies well let's put it this way if they all go out of business we have a whole completely different set of circumstances to consider but the likelihood of that happening of all that money evaporating is almost negligible where if you had all the money in enron or worldcom or washington mutual or whatever there's a long list that can and does happen that's what i was trying to say the question is the definition of gamble. I guess you're right. And and what they typically look if you read the dictionary, it has to do with something happening in short order. And a speculation typically takes a while to have the bad things happen. It turns out General Motors was a speculation. It just took a long time to find out that owning all having all your money in General Motors was not a good thing to do. And, and and I think that's the I don't I don't mind people who and some people say well why don't you speculate with maybe 10 percent of your yeah portfolio? well I was just gonna get to that yeah. because a lot of people come in our office that uh, work for a certain large employer an aerospace firm that has done very well yeah. for themselves for a very long period of time especially the last year the stock price has gone up dramatically yeah. I think it's been the best performer on the Dow Jones industrial average and they say well I do own company stock but it's only 10 percent in my 401k is that a good idea well basically no if we if we think of it in these terms never again never, take a risk for which there is not an expected premium. What do we know about any individual company? It is There is no evidence that it will do better than the S&P 500. 
if it doesn't if it isn't going to do better than the S&P 500 and you can be handed the S&P 500 with no company risk it doesn't make any sense to take the risk of that of that company now everybody who does it who buys their company stock including all those employees at Enron they truly believe that they had a company that was going to do better than the market because That's, it had by the way but it yes, had done better and that even makes it easier to believe when it had and it's the same is true with Boeing so and by the way because you worked there yeah. So you know the people, you, you know the products, you know the industry. I know this business. I know aerospace. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I know Amazon because I buy a lot of things from there. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that the money-making part isn't from the giving you the packages. You may know that. You may not. But the point of the matter is, why take the risk? Right. The only reason ever to own individual stocks is you think you're going to make more than the market, right? There is no That's other right. reason. And the... Th- the fact is, at least in the past, you could do better than the S and P five hundred with small cap value, right? Other with asset large cap classes, value, correct? With, with with a lot of asset classes, at least. So, if you want to make higher amounts, more money, then you can go beyond the S and P five hundred. But you should stay diversified, and in any asset class you go into, it big, small, value, growth. You want to own as many companies as you can and i know you that talk- sounds counterintuitive I, I mean because i just i only want to own isn't what mark twain only buy the stocks that go up or as our friend besom binder says just buy the four percent that have that have given mar- market returns going back to 1926 why not that approach well let, let me just say a bit more on besom binder what he said was was that of all the money that was made with stocks since 1926, the 10% that we all think would be wonderful if we could have that in our future. To get that, you had a higher probability of success if you owned them all, even though 96% of them, on average, made the same return as T-bills. It was that magic 4% that really created that 10% along with the T-bill returns for 96% of them. But in that 4% were included companies like General Motors that was huge for many years, but then it failed. And what you don't want to do is depend on your return in a situation where you may end up failing. As you recall, the Nifty 50 in in the 1970s was the place to put all of your money if you wanted to be an equity investor, and you never had to sell them. That was the theory of the day. It included IBM and McDonald's and a whole bunch of great companies. All the comers, baby. It turned out you would have been better off in the S&P 500. You just, you had your small cap value. Yes, yes. So... What do you do that puts the probability in your camp, in your best interest? That's what we're looking for. The problem is those things tend to be investments that don't have the emotional appeal that owning shares in your own company would tend to have. Okay, so uh, we joked about this a little bit, but your chalk next Saturday, which I believe is at noon? I think it's at Correct. noon. Correct. Okay, so yep. we, got the, we know that part. Yep. And we know it's in Everett at the Edward Hansen Conference Center. We know that. We got that. And we know it's carried live on Como. It's like a presidential you know, conference of some kind. It's carried live. With commercials. With commercials. Yes. I think got commercials when you the president speaks, doesn't it? Or don't they? No, maybe not. Uh, All right. It's so, confusing. It's very confusing. But the idea is you're going to give people actual things they can walk away with and do on their own. They don't have to hire anybody to do these things to make their financial lives better. Would you say that is correct? That is correct. Okay. I want them to believe what I say. Unlike you, who yeah. didn't trust me when I said it was a gamble and a speculation. <laughs> We're going to go back to that. Okay, We're we had to back. come back and take another class. <laughs> I see. I guess so. Well, I'll be there too. So I'll be listening as well. Okay. That is at noon next Saturday. And uh, are you going to be giving anything away? No. No? You yeah, I had to pay my own fare on the ferry. <laughs> All right, I don't I'm getting get the message. Mileage. We're going to give you anything. lunch, though, if you want. Oh, yeah, I've been there. 
We've been to my free lunches. I I made the ham sandwich on Thursday, but it is refrigerated. It should still be fine next Saturday, so it's not that bad. Uh, well, and would you want the pepper jack in there too, or leave ooh, that out? Now we're talking. Okay, a little pepper. Okay, so but in serious, so they're going to be actual financial things people can walk away with that will help them from that's, your talk. That's right. Okay. And by the way, I think we're going to try to, and you can do the same thing, I suspect. I'm going to try to record the thing. Yeah. Get the rid of the commercials. Always. And make it a podcast. Yeah. No, that's going to happen. You might do the same thing. I have no idea. This is all magic to me. I just talk, okay. and then we're, what happens after that? You I know no, what we no want. Clue. You want it. I want it. Bill wants it. Yeah. You want to make people better investors. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. we don't care. I mean, I, I, you know I believe this, and I believe you believe this. Yes. Regardless of what you believe about gambling and speculation. There's a lot of beliefs. And <laughs> that this is all about helping people do better. And yeah. if we do help, and this is how we build our business over at Merriman, mm-hmm. help people do better on their own, get them to understand what you do for them, and then when they're weak and old, they come and they become a client. Oh, that's the weak and the old part, the old weak and old trick. I got it. No, but I mean, you have got to convince yeah. people the right things to do and then let them see it in action. That's true. Then, yeah, no, we, we you walk out of all those classes next week with action points you can go do on your own. We're not selling you a product that says you got to own this to, to have a better life. You, you're right. We match up there because we've done that together for 20-odd years. So we do truly believe that. So, yeah, you're right. But you are charging people to get in. We are charging people to get in. But you get a lunch and a breakfast. It's okay. probably about the same as the cost of the lunch and the breakfast. All right. That's and good. the room and, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So and I think you get a parking discount. Not you, but is others. <laughs> and, and room for a ferry pass in no, there? No, no, no. <laughs> are you kidding me? We don't run that kind of uh, luxurious no. operation. It's crazy. So uh, if you'd like to hear from Paul, and the rest of us, uh, it's pretty easy to sign up. And you can go to Retire Meet, and that's retire, and then M-E-E-T dot com. It is next Saturday. It's in Everett. It includes Paul. You just heard from Paul. Myself, Don McDonald, Herb Weisbaum is going to be speaking. Herb does a great piece on cybersecurity. We've got somebody coming from Fairway Mortgage to look at the possibility of reverse mortgage. We've got Rick Gregrick, an estate planning uh, and lawyer sort of for elder law issues, because those are a big part of retiring. All of that in one place, one day, one time. We don't usually spend much time uh, promoting all this, but we have just a few tickets. I know guarantees what happens. Somebody calls me Thursday, I got to go. And I say, <laughs> you should have gone on Saturday. So um, you can learn more about that at retiremeet.com. Before we go, you still spend a lot of time on all this stuff. What else are you doing in retirement? I know you're, you're helping Suzanne feel better because yeah. she got ill. But other than being a well, caretaker. I've got I've got a, a course up at Western that I sponsor. That's and right. I, and I teach one class a quarter That's as, as well. Uh, we are establishing the Merriman Center for Financial Education wonderful. at Western. Every student will comes through there is going to become financially literate I love it. about the important things they need to do. And they still have the statue of you there in Red Square, right next to Stalin and Lenin, those guys. No, that's not that's not Graffiti. Your... Constant <laughs> problem with graffiti. <laughs> Retiremeet.com. Learn more. We hope to see you next Saturday. Have a great week, everyone. Tom and Don are talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.